the first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. They're going to hold on to everything the disease steals away. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen by funding research, advancing public policy, and spurring scientific breakthroughs. And by providing local support to those living with the disease and their caregivers, we're easing the burden until we accomplish our goal. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight. Hurry in to Mattress Firm's July 4th sale. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchase, up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save $500 on all Tempur-Breeze mattresses and get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, South America, the Caribbean, the Pacific Rim, Asia, Africa, and Europe. If you'd like to send an email, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www exxoneradiotv.com Exxonation, my first guest uh, this uh, on tonight's show is Neil Van Nostrand and uh, he's the author of Perfect Ape to Perfect Idiot He's joining us from, uh, let's see, someplace in Nova Scotia on uh, in Nova Scotia, Canada So Neil, welcome to the Exxon Thank you very much, my pleasure 
I understand that you grew up in a farm uh, in uh, in Ontario, and and that you've always had a love for nature and farming. That's true. Now, what is Perfect Ape to Perfect Idiot about? It's uh, our evolution to this stage. Do you know what an idiot is? Oh, yeah, I've, I've talked to many of them in my life. Yeah, I'll bet you have. It's a three-year-old completely dependent on somebody else, and that's us. Okay. So how does that... That's where the, that's where the name comes from, because we're so dependent. We're almost lost, if you will. A lost how? We don't know where we're going or why. We just go from day to day doing what we've always done, only a little different or whatever, but we're really not in charge of what's happening at all. In fact, we don't even know what's happening, and that's why I wrote the book. Can you give me a couple of examples? Um, Of of what? Of uh, Of being lost? Of how we're idiots. How we're idiots. Well, as I said, we're, we're, we're totally dependent creatures. All of us are. It doesn't matter what you do or where you are mm-hmm. in North America, let's say, or the developed world. You're completely at the mercy of the system, I'll call it. And we're all dependent. The, the, uh, the thing starts uh, back when uh, oil was first discovered uh, in 150 years ago. But since then, this easy energy has been converted to everything that we have. Our whole civilization is totally dependent on oil energy. But there are those people out there who are trying so hard to convert and and get off the grid. You've got people who are using uh, solar energy. There are are people who are using uh, windmills. Uh, it, it seems that there's an awakening going on. So, is this the is this the proof that we're we're actually going back from idiots to the perfect ape? No, I do. The perfect ape just means uh, that uh, our evolution came from, uh, they say, apes, mm-hmm. and uh, we, at that stage we were perfect, but we've evo- evolved from them. So that now the human race mm-hmm. has been destroying the ecosystem of the world for a hundred years. So if we ever ran out of oil, which is inevitable, first of all, as the oil gets scarcer, the all price right. goes uh, up. I'm, go- I'm going to have to hold you here. I've got to take a two-minute commercial break. When I come back, I'm going to ask you what will happen when we run out of oil. Exxon okay. Nation, our guest this hour is Neil Van Ostrand. He is the author of... Perfect Ape to Perfect Idiot. It's available at Amazon.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. We'll be back in two minutes. Don't go away. Tonight 
Nation, we're talking to the author of Perfect Date to Perfect Idiot. His name is Neil von Nostrand. And uh, Neil is a grassroots wildlife biologist. He uh, put his book together over the last 10 years with his wife, Erica. Its central question is, and it's a very simple question, how could Homo sapiens have managed to dominate every habitable space on Earth and now to uh, have reached this moment of self-destructive wealth and power? Many of us are in great confusion as if lost in the woods. Where are we all going and why? The gap between the rich and the poor, glowing global pollution, deteriorating ecosystems, increasing species extinctions, massive war machines running and ruining millions of lives, rapid global heating caused by human activities, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Perfect eight to perfect idiot provides a biological understanding of what happened and why. Its biological orientation allows the reader to choose a more realistic, more honest revaluation of her or his life. Once again, Perfect Ape, the Perfect Idiot, www.amazon.com. Tell me, Neil, what, what will happen, in your opinion, when we run out of oil? It's uh, what will happen... Before we run out of oil, as oil gets scarcer and scarcer, it costs more and more to find it and process it. So as the price of oil goes up, everything increases in price. It inflates. But the, um, the biggest uh, effect is going to be on food, which is already beyond the reach of more and more poor people who are starving to death. And so as we continue towards uh, higher and higher oil prices, the, um, the poor die. We, we rich will last for a little bit while longer, but here's what the underlying thing is, that the burning of carbon fuels, which is oil and coal, produce the dominant carbon dioxide. Sorry? No, no, I'm, I'm listening. Uh, the dominant carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, mm -hmm. and this is responsible for the climate getting warmer and warmer. Now, our Ar Arctic area is the greatest increase in these temperatures, and already the people in the Arctic, uh, uh, Northwest Territories, and uh, Yukon and Alaska are already experiencing very, very devastating effects of the the loss of sea ice and the uh, melting of the permafrost. Now, what happens is that the, they say, the experts, the computer experts on the future, that if the carbon dioxide goes beyond 350 parts per million in the atmosphere, 
this will uh, melt so much permafrost that the release of methane into the atmosphere will basically uh, cause the earth to warm up very, very fast. Now that plus the melting of the ice creating a black water absorbs more heat than ice. Ice and snow, of course, uh, reflect the uh, the sunlight and and don't prevent don't uh, warm up the earth as much as pure water will. And that's what's happening now. And once it reaches over 350 parts per million, they say, and I don't doubt it. There's certainly some point at mm-hmm. which it the the temperature of the earth will skyrocket. Now, if you can picture that, it's already happening. The climate warming is already causing devastating effects. Uh, the example I think about is the uh, spruce, bark, uh, uh, spruce bark beetle out in B.C., which is not being killed by uh, winter temperatures, and it's exploding north and destroying thousands of square miles of uh, spruce. And they can't keep up to the harvest. It's just they're dead trees. Now, that's just one tiny little example, but all of this stuff causes uh, uh, devastation. But uh, when it when it reaches the point where it's unstoppable, guess what? All life on Earth uh, disappears. You know, there, there there's, uh, there's two sides to the global warming community. There's uh, the side that says global warming is real, and you've got the other side that says global warming is nothing but the regular evolution of this planet, and it's not as bad as some people say it is. What's your opinion on global warming? Well, I thought I explained that, that uh, it, it's uh, it, it's uh, not something that the average person in the world experiences as a warmer climate, but as the climate warms, much, much more water evaporates into the atmosphere. Now, it doesn't stay in the atmosphere. It has to come down. So the more that goes up, the more has to come down. So these are the floods and hurricanes that we uh, have been experiencing much more uh, disastrously in the last little while. And in addition, there's no, there's no predicting where this rain is, is or isn't going to fall. So we have many, many areas of Western Canada and the United States, and especially in Australia, that are so drought-ridden that if this keeps up, whatever is causing that particular pattern, the, many of these areas will be uninhabitable. You say now, that. You, you say that. Ahead. You say that there isn't sufficient political will. What do you mean by that? Well, if people really, really well, I'll give you an example. When the Americans went to war, finally, 1941, Detroit converted over from automobiles to army vehicles instantly. Yeah. That's what we need to happen with this climate uh, conundrum. It's a very, very serious problem, and unless we take it seriously and make those kinds of changes that we did during the war... Uh, it's not going to happen. All right, so what are you saying, that that Detroit and the other automotive manufacturing centers in the United States and Canada should concentrate on a, a different type of automobile? See, I'm not uh, in a position to say what 
should or shouldn't be done. I'm just saying that it's serious enough that those kinds of revolutionary changeovers need to be taken. There are very, very knowledgeable people in the world about those kinds of things. And unless they can get together, maybe they already are, for all I know. But I doubt it, because there just isn't the political will, the, uh, the urgency that people see. As you say, there are many people don't even believe in climate warming. <laughs> they don't notice any temperature. If there is, it's great. <laughs> but unseen by them are these, these uh, things that are going on that we, we don't know about, enough about. And we should know a lot about them and get people excited about the fact that these are devastating things. Like I say, the, B, the B.C. Uh, spruce barkworm that has uh, killed thousands of square miles of uh, spruce that they never did bother because they, the, the, uh, the beetle was killed out in the wintertime. But there are many, many other effects that the climate warming is having beyond the Arctic. The Arctic is most uh, spectacular because it's warming faster there and the people are, are very uh, dependent on the sea ice. And, of course, the sea levels rise with all that melting. Mm -hmm. And any islands uh, are, in fact, there's one island that uh, has finally decided that they're not going to, They've taken it so seriously, they're not going to produce any more, they're not going to burn any more carbon fuels. But, of course, that's only one one tiny little island. It's going to make no effect at all. There has to be a, a, a world realization. I don't know what it will take to make that kind of a sudden transformation, but that's what has to be done if we're going to save ourselves. Now, as David Suzuki says, um, are we going to face this crisis? realistically or are we just going to let nature decide humanity's fate which we are doing mm -hmm. right now all right so so how is global warming affecting the people in nova scotia oh great it's one of the best places to be we can do a little more warming and uh we put up we got three feet of snow now but that's that's okay as long as we got lots of uh you know, gas and, and diesel to uh, snowplow and keep our houses warm and yeah, but, but, uh, live perfectly normally, we're fine. But you were talking before that, you know, what happens when the oil runs out? Gas, gas and diesel fuel come from oil. So what's going to happen to the people in Nova Scotia when no more oil? Same thing is going to happen all over North America and all the developed world. The higher we are on it, the further we have to fall. The people that depend on it less, like the, uh, the, the farmers, let's say, in, uh, in China, which uh, live on the land and don't burn uh, anywhere near the fossil fuels that we have. But wait a second. Hold on here. Hold on here. Hold on here. China's one of the major causes of pollution. That's right. Okay. So oh, yeah. It has good side to it, too. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd uh, paradox, isn't it? Be great when we run out of oil and coal, but by the time we do, the carbon dioxide is going to be so high and the climate warming so so out of control mm -hmm. that uh, it's uh, no longer a blessing. All right, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Okay. Exxon Nation. Our guest this hour is Neil von Nostrand. His um, book is entitled "Perfect Ape to Perfect Idiot." It's available at Amazon.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the X Zone. 
1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll-free. Email xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. I'll be back after this commercial break with the news. Don't go away. I stopped an old man along the way Hoping to find some more forgotten words Or ancient melodies He turned to me as if to say You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www dot xzoneradiotv.com Now I think I know why you sounded so strange on the telephone But it's hard when you discover Back everyone. My guest this hour is Neil von Nostrad, and he's the author of Perfect Ape to Perfect Idiot. It's available at Amazon.com. Tell me, Neil, is it too late to turn things around? Are we have we doomed ourselves? Or can we make certain changes that will actually turn the effects of global warming around? Um that's a very interesting question because I guess it depends on whether you're a pessimist or an optimist. The pessimist is, a, you know, the optimist is a person who uh, thinks we're living in the best of times. Mm-hmm. The pessimist is afraid he's right, meaning nothing but downhill from here. But as I say, if 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 by some uh, reason the the world was convinced that if the parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere go exceed uh, 350 parts per million or some level, that we haven't stopped producing carbon dioxide as long as we're burning coal and oil. And hence, there isn't enough uh, time 
for us to completely not use them and use hydrogen or some other fuel instead. I mean, they're working on it for sure. But Mm -hmm. in the meantime, that is already over the 350, and we now have to pull it back down below that, which we could do if we were as bent on it as we were winning the war, World War II. But, of course, everybody understood that very clearly. Guns are pretty dramatic, but climate warming isn't particularly dramatic for most people, as you say. Many people don't even believe it's happening. So that's the that's the big if mm-hmm. if we uh, if we can uh, somehow uh, put our back to it. Actually, I mean, uh, how long did it take Kennedy to go to the moon? Less than ten years. Once they made their mind up. Well, you know, there, there are other countries in the world, uh, like the Russians uh, beat the beat the snot out of the Americans when it came to the space race. So why aren't other countries around the world getting on this bandwagon? Why is everything left to the United States and Canada? It's a global situation, so why doesn't another country take the lead? We've always taken the lead uh, in the past, and uh, we're, we're, uh, we're in the lead with everything. But we're not in the lead so with this. The, the world expects us to take the lead, and sure enough, uh, you know, we have the most to lose here in uh, North America and the developed world. And Europe is much further ahead because they're more crowded and they've already cut their population down and doing all kinds of good things about the situation. It isn't that people aren't aware of it, but it's only the elite few that understand the seriousness of the situation. How is how about the the population of this planet? It's growing at a phenomenal rate. Like it doesn't take a mathematician to understand that we're going to be in a crunch very shortly. How do we deal with this? That's another good question because uh, I think education, uh, whatever that is, um, would certainly help women. Most women don't really want as many children as they have, in especially in uh, the underdeveloped world, mm-hmm. but they don't know how or don't have the capability to reduce the numbers of their uh, children. And as you well know, know, uh, men are, they need sex constantly. And when they do, the babies just come out. And uh, so it's, it's a, education is a big, big part of that. And there are many, many women in the world who are doing those kinds of things for sure. But, um, uh, the world population is still booming. And that is the reason why we're so destructive. I spent 25 years in Nova Scotia studying the beaver and deer populations, which were very, very low in Nova Scotia in the turn of the century. Once they were protected and helped, they moved into very ideal habitat in Nova Scotia for both those species, and both of them boomed. And when they boomed, this is the sort of thing I studied for 25 years. When they boom, the tremendous reproduction that was uh, happening when they were per- when they were in a very uh, fertile environment mm-hmm. uh, kept on long after they destroyed their food. Both deer and beavers destroyed their food, and yet they kept reproducing until enough died off that they got down to a fairly stable level. Now, that's about where humans are right now. They're in the middle of their boom, 
and their reproduction is probably going to continue for a few more years until enough people die off that they say, whoa, I think we should do something about this. <laughs> How many people can we, they say there are a billion people now going to bed hungry every day, but until they die off like fleas, mm-hmm. we're not going to, how, how is the developed world going to look at these uh, millions of people dying in poor countries? So they're going to say, too bad. I don't know. I don't know how, the, how they, or, or, or penned up in uh, enclosures because they can't support themselves. There's no more resources. But this is what happens towards the end of this boom period. Now, we know there's, there are countries in Asia that limit families to a set number of children. Is that a good that, idea? That was a very, very good thing for them to do, but it didn't work. I shouldn't say that. It did work to a degree, but people caught on to that. Furthermore, they killed more uh, baby girls uh, than boys, and so now the sex ratio is completely screwed there. And so there must be other ways of handling it. I don't know what it would be. What part do you think theology plays in the population explosion? That's uh, an interesting question. I don't know whether to try and answer it directly, which I don't know anything Mm -hmm. about. But reading biblical prophecies that were made 2,000 years ago, they have come to almost the same conclusion that I have. And what's that? that? The people, yeah, that the people of the world have to die off. I don't know how they come to their conclusions, but a prophet in those days had to be 100% right before he offered an, uh, a prophecy. Mm-hmm. One mistake, and he'd suffered a very, very cruel death. So these prophets, these prophecies that the prophets made... Actually, most of them have come true. Well, there's that, an, that's frightening, isn't it? I don't know if it's frightening. I don't. I, you know, when it comes to prophecies, uh, when you actually check out the validity of a prophecy or a prophet, they're mostly wrong than right, and uh, they've got the the chance factor on their side. Maybe I don't know uh, those types of things, but I was reading Hal Lindsey's book on uh, the late great planet Earth. Right. And that he, he reviews the prophets and what a prophet was and what their predictions were all through the Bible. Mm-hmm. And not very many of them were wrong, if you know what I mean. As I said, if they if they were shown to be wrong, they died a very, very cruel death. One, just one mistake. They had to be a hundred percent right before they were a prophet. Let's say through some act of world power, you were given the position of straightening up this ecological mess that we're in. How would you do it? Oh, no, I'll never answer that question because I'm not in a position to. I I just know that there has to be some crisis big enough to make the world pull together and agree to solutions fast. It's going to happen this century, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. We don't have another century to fool around with this. Now, that, to me, is fast, Mm -hmm. because we're already up to uh, 
11. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think that this, uh, with all the, all the availability of nuclear weapons and the potential of countries annihilating the world in one nuclear foul swoop, that this will actually help? Uh, I'm sorry, that this will actually happen? No, I don't believe that will happen. I belong to the physicians, physicians for survival of humanity, mm-hmm. but I think there's enough awareness that it won't happen. We know that that would blow us to smithereens. And therefore, I don't even think there'll be limited nuclear war unless it's by somebody like North Korea that was angered by something or another and decided to try out the thing on somebody. Right. But uh, I just think that everybody knows that that would, that would be the end for sure in a very, very short order. And uh, things have calmed down, actually, quite a bit about that. And they're dismantling them and converting them over to uh, nuclear energy. How do we get the, the CO2 out of the atmosphere in order to turn things around, get rid of global warming? Well, they're trying all kinds of things, but none have, uh, nothing has, I mean, they've tried to pump it into mm-hmm. uh, dry wells and all this kind of stuff, but nothing really has... Uh, been uh, significant uh, in lowering the carbon dioxide. Now, there are other geoengineering of uh, trying to uh, float uh, reflectors into the atmosphere so that not not as much sunlight uh, actually gets to Earth. But uh, that also is fraught with tremendous errors as far as food production and you name it. So that's no answer either. The, the only answer, if we could convert over to a non-carbon fuel in every country, that uh, this might keep the thing down below a level which would be runaway. But as I say, it's already, the permafrost already uh, melting at such a rate that methane is already leaking out of the earth. And if it all melts, it would be tremendous uh, uh climate warming worse than, uh, you know, even more than carbon dioxide. But so far, the methane is small enough that it hasn't had it. You know, methane is highly flammable. Is it possible that there might be at one time in the future so much methane in the atmosphere that something could actually ignite the, uh, the methane and cause a global catastrophe? I can't speak on that one. Hypothetically. Yep. All right, so I'm what do sure we, there, so, there are people that maybe could answer it, but mm. I certainly can't. So what do we do about the food shortage that we're seeing? How do we rectify that? How do we make sure everybody's fed? Well, as I say, the poor are already starving, and they're, that's, that, that, those death rates are going to increase tremendously, they say. A, hundred, mm. a billion are already going to bed hungry, one billion out of six. Um and uh, of course, uh, just feeding them—if uh, if that was a solution—really uh, uh, wouldn't help. All that does is keep more humans alive. But uh, but I think the uh, the effect of that many people either corralled in enclosures or dying mm-hmm. would 
when they when it grows to a certain level, the the developed world will say, "Just a minute now, this is a little bit gone too far." And then I don't know what they would do, but they would at least get serious about the problem when they see that many people dying, because a lot of them uh, just don't have the resources to uh, to to feed themselves if they uh, if they if they could. Mm-hmm. They're just not there anymore. So do you think that population control, birth control, is one of the main things that the world has to look at? I'd certainly look at it, for sure. And as I say, women are already uh, working with women to to uh, not only educate, but to uh, give them the, uh, the materials to mm-hmm. be able to do that. There are many, many uh, contraceptives that uh, some of them are very uh, unique. I don't know if you've been hearing about them. Yeah, we have. All right, stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour, Exxon Nation. We're talking to the author of Perfect Ape to Perfect Idiot. His name is Neil von Nostrad, and his book is available at Amazon.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. And I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Stand by, we'll be right back. Let's try this one again. Stand by, we'll be right back. You know, I was thinking over the commercial break, Neil, that so many people want this planet to be a perfect uh, Garden of Eden. And if it was, with no wars, no disease, we would have been overpopulated thousands of years ago. Neil? We um, are... We in North America are a prodigal, live a prodigal lifestyle. We have everything. Mm-hmm. Our food comes an average of 2,000 miles away. We live in suburbs and commute an hour or two a day. All of that is going to change. It's going to stop, in fact. When the, when the price of oil goes up, those things will all stop. Jeff Rubin wrote a book, Why Your World is About to Get a Whole Lot Smaller. Because the price of oil has to keep going up. And when it does, you will not be able to eat those foods. You will not be able to commute from, uh, from suburbs. 
and you will not be able to probably drive a car. So those will contribute to shrinking the size of your world so that you will go back to having your, a backyard garden. You'll be buying everything local because it'll be so much cheaper. They just can't afford to bring food 2,000 miles anymore. But, Transportation costs will be too high. In fact, they're going up right now, but, but at the very, very present mm-hmm. time, we live a prodigal lifestyle. Couldn't be any better. That's why people do not believe that things are going to get worse. But our, we, we've, we've used up our inheritance. So, so and tell we're me, we're going to be me. crawling back to somebody to feed the pigs. All right, tell me this, okay? I've got about a minute and t- about a minute left. What are you doing to change the way that the world is is shrinking? Well, it just happens that uh, all I can do is when I realize what's happening mm-hmm. is to tell other people and let them look into it for themselves, like uh, see what they think of it. Check out anything I've said. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me, do you buy locally? Do you uh, sure do? Do you drive a car? Oh yes, I do. Uh, Hyundai Accent. And uh, my wife and I farmed organically for nine years in the nineties. Wow, that's great. And then sold it. Then we sold it to her daughter and her husband, and they sold it. And they're all in organic there on that same land, and they're doing fantastic. But that's where it has to go, back to the land. All right, Neil, I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight. Great talking to you. I want to thank you for having me. My great pleasure. Take care of yourself, Neil. Yep, good luck. Bye-bye now. Bye, Rob. Exonation, Neil von Nostrand has been our guest to this hour. He's the author of Perfect Date to Perfect Idiot. It's available at Amazon.com. All right, when I come back from this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour, more Exxon. We're going to be talking to Jennifer Robbins about the paranormal. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break with the news as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away, Exxon Nation. We'll be back. <laughs> 